Hyperantic always like to be the first at doing something, be the first at Bicorp. Indeed, we are the very first one in Champagne, but we don't want to be the last. And we hope that many other houses and growers will follow our path and join us in that way of making business differently. This is One on One, a Table for Two production. I am Antoine Aboussamra. Something that is in the earth of what we do at Piper is the bold side, the audacity. In all these stories, there is plenty of examples of things that people, men and women, have made differently inside Piper at Sig Champagne. Every week, One on One dives into the world of food and wine through the eyes and experience of my guests. In each episode, you will discover their journey, what matters to them, the challenge they have faced, and how the world of food and wine is evolving. A crossroad in my life, I had the opportunity to go and live and make my life in Chile. And I decided not to, because at some point I wanted to come back in Champagne with all that experiences I got. Good afternoon. It's a great pleasure to be back on the one-on-one podcast. And today I have the great honor, privilege and pleasure to welcome Emilien Boutilla, He's the winemaker of uh, Piper Heitzek and Rare. Uh, rare? Do we see rare in English or we, see, we keep Rare? Yeah, it's, it's up to you. It's okay. uh, in, in French, but it can be rare if you are English speaking. So Okay, so I'll, I'll keep the Rare because rare sounds like, uh, how do you want your meat? You want it uh, rare, well done? <laughs> I, I'd, rather keep the, I'd rather keep the French uh, pronunciation. Um, so good afternoon, Emilien. It's a great pleasure. Good afternoon, Antoine. Hello, everyone. Today, we're going to be talking about something that has made a big splash uh, in, in the world of Champagne, uh, because uh, Piper Heitzek, Charles Heitzek, and Rare Champagne have been awarded the B Corporation status, and they're the first, it's the first houses, basically, in Champagne that have gotten that uh, certification. Why? Why go into the why go into <laughs> such a process? <laughs> why is it uh, important? Yeah, be, I think because uh, it it's directly in connection with the values we have at Piper at Sick at Rare Champagne, uh, and it's the, the direct line of the sustainable uh, sustainable approach we have for already many many years. I think everything started in the vineyard because, as you know, we make champagne, we make wine. And it comes from grapes, so every fa- everything starts in the vineyard for us. Uh, and we have already a double certification of sustainable farming in our vineyard since 2015. And we do plenty of things in the vineyard, but we wanted to go beyond that and have uh, a better approach, a better footprint of in- anything we-, we do on the environment, but also on the people as well and the so- on the societal point of view as well. So it's really our CSA approach that we wanted to get certified. Uh, we wanted to, uh, to have a framework for, for our CSA policy, our CSA approach. And we thought that B Corp was the most demanding and also the most international uh, label that, that was available. And that was like an evidence for us to look for that certification. And it was a long journey because we, we were working on the topic for more than two years. So it's a, it's a long journey and that's just the beginning because we change kind of the way we make business, the way we think business. We were, we want 
just like B Corp, um, B Corp companies like to say, we want to use business as a force for good, mm-hmm. like business differently to have a different business model. So that's uh, an achievement, yes, indeed, this year, but that's also the beginning of a new way of uh, making champagne for us. Yeah, and as you were mentioning, the B Corp uh, certification is is taking into consideration the way you do business, so the way you impact the environment, but also looks from the inside how you treat your people, how you deal with your people, etc. So that that kind of overall approach is is very in- interesting because it's demanding, and you have to follow you know certain guidelines, and there are recertification, etc. Um, it's the values that you were mentioning at the beginning, have they evolved through time uh, in, 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 in the history and since you joined as well uh, the, the, the Champagne Houses? Have you seen those values evolve or they were still entrenched because the world is evolving and you know there are things you are thinking about now and not later on? Um, have, have those things changed? Yeah, you feel, you know that Paper Seek was established back in 1785, so it's been a long history. Uh, of course, the values of the people making wine here uh, at Piper have changed during those decades and those centuries. But something that is in the earth of what we do at Piper is the bold side, the audacity. In all these stories, there is plenty of examples of things that people, men and women, have made differently inside Piperatic Champagne in order to make things better, improve the quality of our wine and the quality of the way we do it. So I think that bold side is in the earth of the philosophy of Piperatic forever. And today, being bold is probably being able to see business differently and find a new way to make Champagne, a better way to make Champagne while considering indeed people, uh, suppliers, vine growers, consumer and also the environment. So that's, I think, in the direct line of that bold side we always add. And of course, that fits to the the day of today, kind mm-hmm. of. Mm-hmm. And I did paper at six, four years ago already. And uh, when I joined, uh, I remember that part of the choice the company made and my boss made was linked with my personal values. That's environmental and, uh, and uh, sustainable approach I had. And that was a, a good meeting between me and the team here at Piperatic. So it was already on tracks. And I think mm-hmm. it, the, the good match between uh, me and the company, the values of the company, my values, and uh, the fact that we were on the same track. Yeah, we're going to come back to your journey. But before that, one one question. Now, so you, when you got the, the, the B Corp certification, there was a big you know, uh, communication part on that, et cetera, et cetera. How did the other champagne houses uh, react to that? So, Damn, they did it before us. It was like, now we have to do it. <laughs> How was that? Because people talk. You know, I'm sure you, you, you deal and talk with, with your colleagues in, in the other champagne houses. How, what was the, the, the initial reaction that the, the world of champagne had when, when you announced that? Well, we had some uh, congratulations and also people that wanted to know a bit more because... Mm-hmm. B Corp is quite known and renowned in, uh, let's say, in the US, in, mm-hmm. was born in the US, but also in the UK, uh, in Netherlands, in Australia. In France, it's not that known yet, actually in Champagne. So some people wanted to know a bit more what it means, how it works. And when they understood what it was, they were quite impressed and happy for us. And they wanted to know more and see if at some point, indeed, they, they can join us and join mm-hmm. because 
Indeed, we are the very first one in Champagne, but we don't want to be the last. And we hope that many other houses and growers will follow our path and join us in that way of making business differently. And I, I, I heard that some other houses were already on tracks. So okay. to, to, to say that to you. So there's probably more and more uh, Champagne wineries that will join the, the, the movement later on. I hope yeah. so. So you were faster, but it's good to be to be spearheading those changes, and it it's, it gives you a certain, at the same time, a certain responsibility because it, it's about you know changing the whole uh, way the champagne houses are functioning uh, for the better good of the people, the environment, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. It's uh, it's it's a great position to be in, but with with great responsibilities as well. Yeah, great responsibility. As I said, this is just the beginning. Uh, it gives the, the framework for us, and we also achieved a lot. We can discuss that, but on the again on the vineyard side, with the the I mean the reduce of the the chemical we use, the increasing for biodiversity around our vineyard, the carbon footprint we have, and we already reduce, but mm -hmm. we want even more. So we also have goals for the future and uh, meetings with the future. So we did a lot. We have plenty of things that we still need to improve and we look to the future and we already take uh, appointments, let's say, for the future in order to do things better also in the future. So that's, uh, yes, there is more to come. Yeah, there's, there was one of the, the objectives that you had, which is to move all your uh, suppliers, 100% of your suppliers to Europe by 2030. And there was a lot of people who were saying, you know, when we talk about globalization and carbon footprint and the impact on the environment, environment, et cetera, if you bring your stuff from, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of kilometers away from China or from wherever, it's not very eco-friendly and eco-conscious. Is that trend of bringing things closer to you in terms of your production, in terms of all, you know, the equipments and all the, you know, the supplies that you're working with, how difficult it is because we realized how much you are dependent on this globalization mm -hmm. how how complicated is that part because working on on you know on the ground you know in the winery in the vineyards etc something you can somehow control a bit more but that aspect having lived yeah. through globalization and and what's interesting with b corp and also that's also why we choose b corp is that b corp in, i mean is interesting about our direct action and operating uh, action here in Champagne, uh, of course, the vineyard, the, the picking, the harvest, the bottling, uh, our bottling facilities, the winery, etc. But Bicorp is also looking at all our suppliers. Mm -hmm. How do they work? How do they treat people? So all of that is part of the certification, and that's what makes sense for us because it's an holistic approach, 360 degrees, and everything is covered. So regarding the, the supplies, of course, there is only champagne from champagne. So the crepes are produced in champagne and they will remain there. But one of the most important things for us and the carbon footprint besides the grapes is the bottle, the mm -hmm. glass, the glassware, the bottle, the empty bottle. And for Piper at for example, we have the light, lightest bottle on the market. So that's something very important, but we mm -hmm. still need and want to work on reducing that weight of the bottle. And also we look at where that bottle is produced. And last year, in 2000, I mean, this year, in 2022, we are uh, more than 90% of the bottles we use for Piper 6 were produced in Reims, so less than 30 
kilometers away from the winery for where we do the bottling. So we cannot be closer than that. Yes. Uh, but we change that. We used to have bottles coming from different uh, different parts of uh, of Europe, and sometimes f- further than that. So B Corp help us and push us to look at everything we do. Where do we get the supplies? Why do we? And we question ourselves today on a day-to-day basis for everyone in the company. We think about rentability. We need to be sustainable mm-hmm. from an economic point of view, but also sustainable for the environment and the people. So we, in every decision we make, we take into consideration the environmental and the social impact for every decision we make. And indeed, for the bottles, today, most of the bottles are produced locally, and we still need to bring back kind of uh, the supplies of labeling, for example. Mm-hmm. Of them are still in France, but we want for 2030 to have 100% of anything we need in Europe and mainly in France or the country next to France. So that's mm-hmm. the goal we have. We are not so far. We have uh, more than 80% of what we spend uh, that are spent in France, but we want to reach 100% in Europe by 2030. Oh, that's nice. That's nice. So let's talk about your journey. Um, so because now you're in the middle of it, because there's huge transformation taking place in your work. Uh, you, you come from... Champagne. So you grew up in the, in that in that place. So so basically, probably not very far from where you are today. <laughs> and you uh, you went to Supagro Montpellier, which is one of the best um, school for enology and viticulture, etc. In France, um, and then you traveled the world. You went to see so many different places, from you know the southern hemisphere to the west to the US to um, Japan, I think, and many places. Why do you come back to Champagne? Good question. Uh, <laughs> Why did I leave? Uh, because indeed, I, I, I lived in Champagne, I grew up in Champagne, but I wanted to see something else. So that's why mm-hmm. I Montpellier to learn winemaking, but also viticulture and agronomy, indeed. And with the same idea, I wanted to make wine outside of Champagne to meet other winemakers, other wine growers. Uh, and I was very happy. Uh, to meet plenty of different approach, different point of view, different climate as well. Um, like in Chile and South Africa, the climate is very different than what we can know here in Champagne. Um, and it was, I mean, it was like from one experience, one opportunity to another, there were no plan. And there were no plan to come back in Champagne either. It, I mean, okay. it was very open. But at some point, I had actually the opportunity to go and I was hired in Chile. And that was back in 2012. So I was at a, a why, a crossroad in my life. And I, had, I had the opportunity to go and live and make my life in Chile. And I decided not to, because at some point it was, uh, I don't know, I, I wanted to come back in Champagne with all that experiences I got and bring it back here in Champagne, where it's a very long history uh, when making excellence, long history of viticulture as well. But I wanted to bring um, that was a bit different because I traveled and I met with different type of uh, people, winemakers, different approach. And I wanted to bring that back in Champagne and uh, bring my small stone in the in the history of Champagne, kind of. Also uh, meet again with my family, my friends, and that's why I decided to finally come back in Champagne. And that was back in 2012. So, so back home, basically, in a sense. With a uh, with a new eyes, 
I remember when I uh, walk again in the vineyards of my family, uh, I saw the, the small hills, the nice landscape with a, with a new eye. Uh, because when you're young, you want to live, you want to see something mm -hmm. else, you get bored kind of of what you know, because you grew up in that place and you only know that place. But when you travel the world and come back, you see again the, the, the beauty of where you live and Champagne is very beautiful. The landscape, the hills, the vineyard of Champagne are, are amazing. But I almost forgot that when I was young. And yeah. you, have to, you have to leave to realize that, <laughs> that what you had was actually not that bad after all. You know, the grass is yeah. not greener on the other side, as they say. Because you're because you're in your family, I read that somewhere. Correct me if I'm wrong. They started producing champagne a long time ago, like 1665, something like that. Exactly, 20 years before, at least 20 years before Piper had sick. Uh, we we look at the the, the history. So uh, my father, his father, etc., etc., and every generation from at least 1765 were vine growers. So they grew. Right. And this, only my father recently decided to make his own champagne, but we grow grapes in the same village for more than 250 years. So long history of... Uh, yes, nice. Before the French Revolution. <laughs> yes, and before I bought it. Before, and before it, it created in the, the company. So basically, you've been around before them. So, so when you saw yeah. them, it's like, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a young thing, basically. Yeah, I know. <laughs> much, much younger. How do you, how do you work in, in such large companies? Because it belongs to a group. So it's a, you know, big business and, you know, uh, uh, big investors and stuff like that. But at the same time, it feels like from the conversation we've had, it still feels like something at, the human level at the human size. So even though you have like big houses, you know, big financiers behind it, at the same time, uh, the life and, and the way the, the company evolves is at human size. Is this one of the reasons you were attracted to Piper Hightech? Yes, probably. And also, so I think the reason why uh, we choose that path of B Corp and CSR philosophy, because Uh, so the owner of Piper at Sick, at Champagne, and also Charles mm -hmm. Sick, Christopher Descour. So the ownership is one family, one 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 guy, Christopher, and one family. Uh, so it's it's still a small group, mm -hmm. even like more than 150 working for for the, the Champagne houses. Uh, the owner is just one people, one family, and Christopher brings uh, to us to the team that family spirit. Mm -hmm. So. The family spirit, the team spirit is very strong. Uh, and uh, that's, that's I think, key for what we want to achieve with that new way of thinking business. You need to, to have that team and family spirit. So I think it's something very important. And that's one of the things that seduced me when I joined uh, the company. So Christopher is the owner of the brand uh, since uh, 2011. So already uh, 11 years. And he loves wine. Uh, I, 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 was, I was with him last week. Uh, I met with him in New York. We had an event there. He's a big wine and champagne lovers, and he trusts us. So that's amazing to be able to work in such a, a company because you can feel uh, the trust. He invests also in the companies to give us the, the ability of investing also and keeping improving what we do in terms of quality for the wine and champagne, but also in terms of 
of the impact we have for the environment. So yeah, it's uh, it's perfect. <laughs> did, did you see yourself working one day for 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 a champagne house like Piper Heidsick? Uh, you mean when I was young? Yes. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I remember when I was a child because my father, as I say, is a vinegrower, so he makes his own champagne, mm -hmm. but also selling grapes to houses. And he's selling grapes to Piper Asik even before I was born. So there is also uh, that connection between my father and, and the company for a very long time. And I was, when I was young, I remember that I, when I was a child, I came with him to visit the cellars and the winery at Piper and Sig, but I was very young. I was maybe six years old or something like that. And I still have that memories in me. So it's funny. Mm -hmm. And at six years old, no, I didn't expect to be one day the, the, the winemaker at Piper and Sig. Uh, and I cannot even dream of that. But uh, today, yes, I'm here and I'm very proud of that. It's bigger responsibility as well, but uh, it's a lot of pleasure as well of challenges and fun. So, yes. In 2021, you were uh, awarded the IWC Sparkling uh, Wine Maker Award. Uh, does that change anything? In, in did you get raised? <laughs> <Just like, laughs> <laughs> oh, should my birthday. Oh, by the way, <laughs> you know what? You know what? Uh, my first, yes, the, the title is Best Sparkling Wine Maker of the Year, and it's with my name. But uh, the, I mean, I share it with my team. It's uh, is they need to put one name on, on top of the of the of the price. So that's my name. But uh, I believe. We, we just spoke about family spirit, team spirit. Mm -hmm. This is thing for the winemaking uh, philosophy. We have a winemaking team. We are seven winemakers with men, women, young, less young people. And our strength is linked with that team and the different uh, vision we have and the democracy we have in the, in the winemaking team. So that, that price, it's also for them and because of them. Uh, and also because of the bigger team, like all the, the employees here at Piper and also the winemakers and the, the van growers, sorry, we are working with. So that price is for all of them. And in fact, before me, my predecessor, Regis Camille, got the title, I think, eight times before me. And same thing, it was with his name, but he also liked to say that it's also thanks to the team. So when I got the title in 2021, my boss said to me, okay, that's good. Congratulations, but you know that your predecessor had eight titles. Seven to go. <laughs> Seven to go. <laughs> exactly. That is nice. The... That's what he said. He didn't speak about race, but I, I will. Tell yeah, you. yeah, you could. <laughs> they never speak about race. <laughs> oh, well done. <laughs> when when you were talking uh, previously about your travels, and that you that you said that when you decided to come back. At the fork, when you had the choice either to stay in Chile and, and build your life there or come back to Champagne, you decided to come back. And saying that you wanted to bring that little things that you gleaned throughout your, your travels with you know a new vision and, and new ways of looking at things. What was what were these things that you were seeing differently when you came back? And so that's the first question. And the lead up to that is once you join Piper Heidsek. Were you able to bring these things as well with you when you when you when you joined them? Uh, yes, so there is different things. First, um, in the different experiences I I, I had, uh, there is some experiences in very high end wineries such as Chateau Margaux, 
in France or Peter Michael Winery in California, tailor-made wine, very precise. And I learned how to make like, yes, very, very high-end wine. Mm -hmm. Something very important. Then I also worked in bigger winery, such as in New Zealand or even in Chile. Big winery, quite big volume, still good quality wine, but big volume. And when I came back in Champagne, I said to myself, there is no other region in the world where you need to make quite huge quantities with very high expectation and quality wine. So making in huge quantity, very luxury wine, it's only in Champagne. So having those two experiences mm -hmm. uh, um, was very important and interesting for me. So that's the first thing. And then, as I said, Champagne is very uh, old region with a long tradition, uh, a know-how which is very old, but sometimes bring back a touch of modernity, a new vision to it. It's something necessary. And with Piper at Seek, as I said, we, we had that uh, pioneer spirit at Piper for forever. So it was, again, a good match from that perspective because Piper and Seek always liked to be the first at doing something, be the first mm -hmm. at A few decades ago, we were the very first to use the Riddling machine in Champagne. And today, Riddling machine are everywhere in Champagne because it also helps people to do not get injuries. Mm -hmm. The wrist. Yeah. yeah that's to it. the wrist, yeah. That pioneer spirit was in the DNA of the brand forever. And that's something I, I, I really think it's important because to keep your mind open, to be open to new techniques, new way of, of, uh, of making uh, wine while respecting the tradition is the, the philosophy I had. So when uh, the team and, uh, and our boss uh, hired me, they were also interested. We spoke about the values we share. But that international background, that international open-minded spirit was also something that interested and interested them uh, about my profile. So. There has, the, has the taste of the champagne evolved as well through, through the years? Have you, uh, did you notice that? Did you see that also the consumers are changing and evolving? Is this something that you pay attention to a lot? Um, yes, because... Uh, when you join, uh, uh, we just say that we'll, uh, I like Uni and uh, yes, <laughs> when you are a winemaker in a so old house like Piperatic, you also you are also the, the guardian of the temple kind of and of the consistency of a style. Mm -hmm. So it's very important to respect that. So my job is also to respect the style of Piperatic and keep the style consistent year after year. But in order to do that, I need to change the way I make wine. The main reason is global warming. The mm -hmm. we have today in the grapes we harvest is very different than what we used to know 10 years ago because we get some more sun, the, the, the temperature are higher, so we get a better ripeness, so we get more fruitiness, more mm -hmm. silly aromas. You can face also a lack of acidity some years. Uh, so because of the new balance we have, we need to adjust what we do in the vineyard and in the winery to keep the style and the balance of the wine consistent. So one of the examples, it's both for the environment and also for the freshness of the wine. We do not use any herbicide and we till the ground that push the roots to go deeper into the soil and that will help to get more acidity in the balance of the grapes. On the winery, something I changed since I arrived is that I block the malolactic fermentation. The malolactic fermentation is the one just after the alcoholic fermentation. 
And with the bacteria that are naturally present in the wine, that will turn the malic acid into lactic acid, which will means basically changing the acidity of a, a lemon to the acidity of a yogurt. So it will reduce the acidity kind of. But as I said, sometimes this year, so we can face a lack of acidity. So in that case, if you do not make the malolactic fermentation, you keep that nice, fresh acidity okay. with citrus. So that's one of the, the tools kind of we can use in order to, to keep that balance with different ripeness uh, condition. You can adjust the way you make the wine in order to keep the style very consistent. Are you are you experimenting new things? Maybe that you don't you know that you don't sell. That are you trying things out and say, okay, let's do let's do this. Let's see what what comes out and potentially that may come on the shelves later on. Uh, is is that part of your work also something you you can devote time and you can you can can focus on as well? Yes, of course, that's something we need to do, and that's something very important both in the vineyard because. We see our vineyard also as a laboratory, kind of. Mm -hmm. We can experiment new, techni new techniques, uh, organic farming, for example. Um, also, regarding the ground and the way we cover the ground, so cover crops during winter time is something we experiment. So plenty of tries in the vineyard, also in the winery with yeast that uh, that that will be um, uh, able to bring back more acidity, for example. Mm -hmm. So plenty of different things we, we try, we experiment to learn and to see what we can do and use and improve for the future. Indeed, that's part of the, of the job. That's part of the, the constant um, remise en question, we say in French, so asking yourself, yes. what can we do to do better? That's so that's a, that's a big challenge. Yeah, because it's very important as well. <laughs> yeah, no, but that that makes that makes the that makes the job. I'm going to say uh, even more exciting because you're that experimentation part is is what if you know what happens? What can we do? Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and you know, in Champagne, time is is long, so you need to try today, and maybe you will use the result of what you discovered ten years later. So it takes time. So we need to experiment things, learn, make mistakes. Uh, in order to to see and find a way to make champagne uh, in the future, that's and how do you see this future? Because there's a lot of there's a lot of things happening. Okay, climate change is, is a big one. Uh, there's the consumers that are evolving, the way people react to alcohol in general. You know, this, this is, it's one of the conversations that a lot of people are having as well. How do you see the future of 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 Champagne houses like Pieper Heidsack and, and Rare Champagne in the coming you know, 10, 15, 20 years. You're talking about long, you know, le temps long, the long time that you have in front of you. Uh, I'm confident. Uh, we, we at Pieperatic are really still uh, optimistic. Mm -hmm. Indeed, there is plenty of challenges. We need to face them and look at them right in the eyes. Uh, and, well, I mean, for me, the main challenge remain uh, the global warming and the way we uh, both adapt ourselves to the global warming because it's there and also reduce our footprint in order to be able to legate, to give to the next generation of wine growers and winemakers a great champagne, a great terroir of champagne with the ability of making still amazing champagne in the future. So that's the main topic, the main concern. 
And same thing for the for the consumer. Um, by making the choices we we make and focusing on sustainability and uh, this, this holistic approach, I think we we fit kind of to my generation or the new generation of people on earth, new consumer as well, because more and more the, the consumer want to recognize themselves in the brand or in the wine or in the product they will buy and eat or drink. So that's like an evidence for us. We, we do it because that's the value we have and our values meet and are shared with plenty of people on earth. So I'm also confident because of that. And I hope again, that we will be more and more in Champagne to, to take that path because this is the path that makes sense. We're getting close to the end of the uh, conversation, but before I have one last question before we go to the, the pivot questionnaire. What about your journey personally? What do you see as the biggest challenge? Because you, you went through different stages in your life um, and you're working since 2018 in a very respected uh, Champagne house, Piper Heidsek and, and Rare Champagne. How do you see your evolution as well? Because what you've done 10 years, 15 years ago is different than what you're doing today. How do you see that evolution going in, in the next few years, five, 10, whatever, choose the, the time frame you want? How do you see that personally? How do... uh, so far, I see my future here. <laughs> As I said, we still have many, many things mm -hmm. to improve. So, uh, And I take the day almost one by one. <laughs> or at least the year one by one. So that's that's the that's my philosophy. Uh, there is no. It's hard for me to think like five years from now or ten years from now. What I hope is that when I will be there, I will look back and I will be happy of about what I made and about what Piper Sick and Rare Champagne have made in terms of again quality of the wine and sustainability. So that's what I would like to achieve: to be happy of what I have done. <laughs> well, the, the initial four years were, were fantastic. So we can only wish you uh, further, further development and further wonderful years as well. Uh, so as I said, um, we are getting close. But before the end, uh, we are uh, finishing as usual with the people questionnaire. So it's the first thing that comes to your mind. Uh, are mm -hmm. you ready? I am ready. Okay. So what's your favorite word? Oh, uh, champagne. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, no, it's uh, ch uh, no champagne is nice, but uh, uh, happy. Uh, I mean, the idea of happiness. Mm -hmm. What's your least favorite word? Um, uh, egoism, so self selfish. Uh, to be uh, uh, selfish, yes, yes, egoist. Yeah. Your favorite virtue? Ah, uh, <laughs> ge uh, generosity. Generosity. Okay. Your favorite yeah. quality in a man. Oh, there's plenty of good quality. It's hard to choose one. I would say open-minded. Okay. Your favorite quality in a woman? The same. Your uh, What wine or champagne would you use to describe yourself? Ah, um, it will be a champagne with a lot of energy. So quite young, maybe a, a, a non-vintage champagne with a three, four years of aging full of vivacity, uh, <laughs> a bit of character. So maybe a, a nice uh, blanc de noir. Okay. Uh, what aroma, aroma or smell do you love? I really love the, the tropical food, tropical aroma, so I would say mango. Mm, nice. 
They're not, they don't grow these in Champagne, no, it's too cold. I know. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I really love raspberry as well. Yeah. What's your favorite curse word? Curse? Any language, curse word. Insult. Ah. Uh, I, any, I say, any language. I say a lot putain. Oh, yeah, but it's, it's the, uh, the quintessential <laughs> French <laughs> curse word. <laughs> What sound or noise do you love? Um... Well, in terms of music, you have plenty of things. Uh, in terms of, of uh, natural sound, I would say the, the wind in the, in the mountains. Oh. It's morning. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah. What sound or noise do you hate? Uh, somebody who is snoring. Yeah, not nice. Yeah. What plant or animal would you like to be reincarnated in if you believe in a reincarnation? Uh, probably a bird to, to travel the world. Oh, you still have the bug of traveling, huh? Yes. Uh, <laughs> still there, huh? <laughs> a little bit. So probably a bird for that, yes. Yeah. If heaven exists, uh, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Um, probably linked with what we said before. Well done, guy. You did, you did good stuff on Earth. <laughs> you said that to me. <laughs> Wonderful. Emilien Boutilla, thank you very much. Thank you, Antoine. It was a real pleasure to talk with you.